you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I am your other co-host, Cam. And we are here to review a film. Sadly, this will be our last film review of 2022. We'll have to do a uh, little year in review, make a little graphic in the photoshops of all the all the films that we've reviewed, um, this being the, the final one. So, wow, it's been a year. It's been a year. And sadly, I think some of my favorite films of the year we didn't review on this show because we tend to review things that are um, seen by lots of people because we want to be a podcast for the people, by the people. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Avatar The Way of Water, which is the subject of this week's review, We'll crack that list of favorite films for 2022 because I think next week, Kirk, we're not going to do an episode on this, but what I'd really like to do next week, and you and I have talked about this, is drop a little top 10 list. You know, that's what everybody likes to do this time of year. Top 10, top five, whatever you want to call it. We're going to do gun, top Maverick. gun Maverick. Yes. You know. Good point. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I just lost my <laughs> whole train of thoughts. <laughs> um, the people do the lists. They do the lists of here are the best films of 2022. So I think we'll do our top 10 favorite films of 2022. I think that'll be the way that we'll go. Yeah, I could do that. You can just rattle way. it off right now, couldn't you, Kirk? You could just go for it. No, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I forget movies that I see from week to week. Like, not like the experience or the story, but when they happened in life. I, yes. can't, I can't recall it. Um, I don't know if that's a disease or a <laughs> neurological disorder, but it happens. I don't know. Uh, you might want to talk to your doctor about that. Um, but I, I feel that. I, I, I The beginning of 2022 feels like eons ago. Like I was thinking about how um, Scream, that, that Scream movie, yeah. was, the, was like one of the first releases of 2022. And I'm like, holy smokes, that feels like... Very, very, very long ago to me. Yeah. Um, and yet other films like The Batman feel not very long ago at all. And yet that was, you know, that, that was nine months ago now. So, yeah, I was very sick during that viewing. Yet I went to see it anyways. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I was about to fly to Colorado like the next day. And uh, I was like, Kirk's going to get me sick. I'm going to be sick the whole time I'm in Colorado. And I'm going to be upset, but I was like, we are seeing this movie. Like I was like, Kirk, you're going to have to be dead to not see this movie. We're yeah. going to see it. And yeah. you know what? It all turned out fine. Except for you it's were, you were very sick. down my face. People probably thought it was tears <laughs> from emotion. Yeah. And I, I just remember getting in the car and just letting it all just like drip on my shirt. Like it was disgusting. Yeah, it was, just it was bad. Just to really entice you to listen to the rest of this episode, I uh, just want to talk about <laughs> my snot. <laughs> I don't even remember. I just, I remember, I do remember picking you up and you being like, I do not feel good. <laughs> and I was like, don't care. We're going to see the Batman. Let's go. Because <laughs> I'm a great, I'm a great friend. Um, okay. But we are talking about uh, Avatar The Way of Water this week. It's going to be our very, very last review of 2022. Um, I'm sure we will review other 2022 films because a lot of times around the Oscars, when, when the box office slows down, there's not much coming out. We'll swing back and say, Hey, this movie was nominated for best picture. Let's review that, whatever. Um, but this is going to be our last review in the year of 2022. We, I know we did uh, glass onion spoiler free. This will not be spoiler free because this movie did really, really well at the box office last weekend. So, if you haven't gone to see it, go see it over the holiday uh, break. Come back and listen to this review. But this is your warning now that we will be spoiling this film. Um, you know, whatever there is to spoil. I don't know that we'll be actively, like, trying to spoil it, per se. But, like, we're not going to hold back. So, the spoilers will occur, I would imagine. That's right. That's um, right. So, speaking of, you know, long periods of time, this movie it was 13 years in the making, Kirk. The first Avatar film somehow came out in 2009, and it has been 13 years that we've been waiting for this one. So without further ado, because there's been so much ado with this film, let's 
Let's chat this one. Let's chat Avatar The Way of Water. And Kirk, why don't you kick us off with a brief synopsis of this not brief film? I will. I will. <clears throat> this is also a very long synopsis. I think that's fitting. So strap in. Jake Silly, a once aimless Marine, fighting to find his way in the world, continues on with his life after transformation into the Navi community. Having to raise five children, some biological, some blended, Jake and his bride and partner, Natiri, struggle to balance tribe leadership and family leadership in the fight of their lives. As their old foes, you know, Qualrich and the punks, return, we find our heroes on a path of survival and exile. They'll leave their forest friends behind on their journey into the way of the water. Wow, that was dramatic. So dramatic that I like accidentally hit the wrong uh, layout in StreamYard. <laughs> I know, it kind of looked like you would just like open up your laptop because you were like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> wow, we're, we're really firing on all cylinders now. But no, good synopsis, Kirk. Um, Thank you. Definitely a very different textural feel to this movie because as Kirk alluded to early on in the film, we move away from the forest worlds of the Omatakaya tribes and off to the sea-dwelling people of the, what are they called, Metkanya or something like that tribe. So yeah. that's, uh, we're, you know, we're dealing with all new people. These people are not totally blue. They're like a sea foam. I mean, they're blue. But, but they're like a different kind of blue. You yeah, know. you know, like Avatar... <laughs> Oh no. Are, you know. <laughs> I knew you were gonna have makeup. I knew it. I I, I I should have said that at the outset because I said I think there's an outside chance that Kirk shows up with his face covered in blue makeup and there it is. Yeah, you know, the the Avatar, the the Navi, the Okatamana, ta da ta halap, you know, whatever. The jalapenos. They, yes, very good. Good pronunciation. Oh, yeah. Yep, thank you, thank you. You knew I was going for jalapenos. They, uh, you keep shifting the camera. I on have me? to do that so that I can. <laughs> I have to get this picture for the screen grab for our thumbnail for YouTube because I, I want to make sure your blue face paint, your blue man group paint is uh, captured here. But go on, go on. Yeah, you know, um, I forgot what I was saying because I'm really focused. The Omatakaya, the the um, the tribe that Jake Soli and Natiri and such come from in the first film are the are the color blue that Kirk is currently drawing all over his face haphazardly right now. Yes. I'm trying not to get it in my hair because I do have to go to work tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> but you know, maybe I just show up to work like this and just to advertise the <laughs> yeah, podcast. You're gonna be like that know. guy from the nice guys when uh the the ink blot ink blot thing explodes and he's got a blue face for the rest of the movie. That's what you're gonna oh, look yes. like at work tomorrow. That's that's right. That's right. You know, you got some like darkness and uh, maybe some, some, you know, the little magical white dots, you know, so. Yes. The biofluorescent, sure. bioluminescent algae, <laughs> the bioluminescent yeah. dots <laughs> That's right. on their face. Anyway, the, the Navi that we saw in the first movie are blue, like a royal blue. And these ones are more of a, uh, like a seafoam green slash blue color. So yeah. you're getting at Kirk. Yeah, I am the Navi. Uh, right. I don't have seafoam It's very convincing. Green. Thank you. I mean, you can't even tell. Actually, I'm completely CGI right now. <laughs> this is all mocap. This is James Cameron directed this episode of PFB. It took him it took him a long time. We started recording two years ago before we'd even seen the movie. Um, That's right. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's try to compose ourselves and stop knuckleheading around and talk about this movie. Yeah. Kirk, let's start with the acting performances. You're kicking us off here with, and the Oscar goes to, who was your best actor in this film? This one is so simple, like so simple. I have to go with Miss Zoe Saldana. You know, one of the OGs to the franchise. It, very well, you know, there was a couple of contenders to, uh, to get in on the new action, but I just couldn't give it to them. I, I just couldn't give it to them. It, I had a difficult time connecting to a lot of characters because there were so many characters. But what Zoe did, because obviously, first name, obviously, what Zoe did in this film was give the most human <laughs> performance, which she's A, not a human, 
she's B uh, in total uh not herself like you can you know it's zoe saldana because you read the uh the imdb page but it's so incredible with how she's able to be this alien creature yet create universal emotions and that's what it comes down to universal truths that we all can relate to and you see her just drop these bombs throughout the entire movie like she's trying her best to you know follow her husband as the leader of this tribe and their family but really speaking her mind without hesitation knowing that she has that trust in him uh that that she can be 100% vulnerable with her with him and honest with him and also be like hey you're going to need to come come with me on this decision here's where you come with me and here's where I follow you and here's where we're going to meet in the middle and be a partnership and they do a good job of that relationship and I think it's mostly due to Zoe navigating the, those feelings um and I, I just she connects with uh uh with Kate Winslet's character very well uh in first there's a lot of friction and then there's a lot of uh, hate a lot of hatred toward one another uh that, that builds and builds and builds and finally there is this just utmost respect and an understanding of one another in in what matters most to each other and they connect very easily with the love of their children so zoe just just absolutely just slamming home runs in this movie and so glad she was in this one yes we love zoe we're we're so you know so lucky as you know, I know you and I are both fans of sci-fi and fantasy type films. We're so lucky to have Zoe Saldana along for the ride on so many of these iconic franchises. Um, this being just one of them, and you know, also Star Trek and uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and things like that. So uh, it's a great pick. I'm going with the, one of our newcomers actually for for my and the Oscar goes to, and that is Britton Dalton, who played Loak in this film, which is. The um the younger son of of Jake and Natiri, um, who is kind of the emotional uh, and also the narrative focal point of this film. I think his character is sort of going through a coming of age situation where he you know is is feels he's constantly in the shadow of his quote unquote perfect older brother. You know he's kind of trying to find his place in the world. He he gets a lot of heat from his dad for kind of knuckleheading around and trying to prove himself. Um, but, you know, uh, it kind of <laughs> it, this movie takes an unexpected turn about halfway through when Loak really becomes the focal point of the plot when he befriends, like, a giant aquatic creature called the Tulkun. Uh, Payakan is the, is the name of it, and they begin communicating and hanging out, and they're both outcasts. Um, and you kind of think, well, this is a strange subplot, but then it, it becomes a massive plot point it's not a subplot it's you know it's part of the core plot of the film and i really just thought that um uh britain dalton is a younger actor and i thought he just did an excellent job uh coming into this film understanding the the feel of this character understanding this character's motivations um the the sort of like the ties that bind this character the things that hold him back or uh, propel him forward the things that motivate him and he really just carved out a, a really nice um, performance. It was, a, you know, an angsty teen performance. So at times with that James Cameron dialogue, you get a little bit of cheesiness. That's the way that uh, comes across. But, you know, teenagers are, are cheesy. They're melodramatic. They're over the top. And, and so it, it felt very heartfelt. Um, I think throughout this film, uh, he, he's de- certainly an awkward teenager at times, but you know, is, is trying to do his best for his family and, and, and the Sully clan. And I just thought Britton Dalton being a newcomer to this really, you know, really grabbed my eye. So I, ha- I have to give the best Oscar or best actor um, Oscar to, to him. All righty. Very nice. Let's How does move- it feel? On the other side of the camera, uh, Cam, as I'm nodding in agreement with you with this beautiful, beautiful avatar makeup. It's really like, good. That- I'm glad that whenever I minimize you, like whenever I, you know, put myself, I'm glad that I can see you because you're such a great, like, uh, uh, you're, you're really like a, a hype man for me. While I'm, I got I'm, you. Anytime, I can always see you down there being like, yeah, man, nodding along. Whether I'm sure you don't agree with anything that I'm saying, but you're like, yes, good stuff. <laughs> And I need that. I need that, Kirk, because I am only um, occasionally. There's a couple of times where I'm like, 
I'm gonna pull the rug out from underneath him <laughs> in my director's shoes, which and I he's love. Just gonna spin. <laughs> but I need. I am uh, emotionally fragile, so I need the 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 positive uh, feedback loop to be running while I'm talking. Otherwise, I will crumble into a thousand pieces. So mm. I appreciate that. That's great, and I'm so vain and horrified and <laughs> self conscious. That when when I'm speaking, I only have myself up because I don't want to look stupid on camera, and I need the full resolution yep. to tell. That's a dumb, ugly face. Well, great. I'll stop nodding in approval. Then I'll just you know check my phone or do whatever I I, I do. You could you could like read a book, and I would have no clue for the past three years of this podcast production. I love it. I love it. Inside inside baseball there. I love it. So good. All right, Kirk. <laughs> let's move on to Scene Stealer. Um, huge cast. Holy moly's. There's so many uh, new newcomers to this cast, um, including, you know, the four Sully children, our new Metcaina, uh tribe members, clan members, whatever. Uh, so who, who did you decide to go with for Scene Stealer? I had to go with kind of an OG, definitely an OG actor in a new character role. Uh, this goes to Miss Sigourney Weaver, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for the first 20 minutes, I thought that her character was named Kitty, which I thought, eh, it's whatever, you know, it's not really that weird. We are on a planet full of blue people. But no, the character's name is Kiri. Uh, and after... After uh, let me backtrack here. So I missed the first uh, one to two minutes of the film because the theater left the lights on right. and I had to <laughs> run as fast as I could out of the theater to hunt down a staff member to turn the lights on off. I mean, and thank goodness. So then I was just like, uh, I had a lot of questions over that first minute which a lot of the exposition drops for Cam at the end of the movie. So Kiri is <laughs> the, oh goodness, the sickness is coming out of me. Kiri is the the daughter of Sigourney Weaver's avatar, possibly and most likely by Immaculate Conception. And because Sigourney, she gone, she dead. They merged her into the avatar body at the, at the one hour uh, left mark of avatar one, if that's what I can call it. And Kiri is the daughter of that, which really is the spirit of Sigourney Weaver. So Sigourney Weaver voices this character, Glad we're caught up. Things take a long time in Pandora. Don't forget. What I love about this is that even though I disagree with it being her voice, I really wanted it to be a different character altogether, but kind of just look like her. The reason that it's good is because it is Sigourney Weaver's voice. She knows the inflections to take. She knows the the storytelling to to offer with her with her incredibly uh, well versed vocal cords and it's just really something that I didn't expect to like I really expected to be like going into it having Sigourney return in a different character I'm like that's weird that's gonna be my least favorite part and no it was maybe my favorite part of it all I loved her her character I loved how curious she was I love how. You know, she she had the angsty teen part going on, but really she found the beauty surrounding her so easily uh, against the, the silliest things. You know, uh, at one point she she kicks off the big bully saga against her and her brothers and the water people where she's just underwater staring at sand and just like just like fond fonding over it. Like it's like, wow, this is beautiful. Like the way the light is hitting these sand ridges and shallow water. Like she just absolutely adores everything, every creation in front of her. And I just love that kind of spirit because how many people in your life are like that, that are like sane or sober? Like it's, it's pretty incredible. Sometimes I find myself like, uh, I never speak it out loud or maybe I should, maybe I should do it more and be like Kiri. I, yes. I just find myself in a particular place and I'm like, this is really cool. Like this moment will never happen again. And I'm seeing it and whether I'm there alone or I'm there with a, a family member or a friend, like it's so cool. And then it like links me back to like seeing a movie with a hundred other strangers, a hundred plus other strangers. No one's ever going to see this movie in, in this environment, in this room ever again. And it, it kind of like brought me that far. I know that's really a, really a far stretch, but Kiri, uh, I, I just uh, I thought that character was really powerful, and I thought it could not have been done by anyone other than Miss Sigourney Weaver. Yes, I'm going to pile on here. As much as I I really 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 wanted to give this to Zoe Saldana, um, 
Zoe didn't get a ton of screen time, not nearly as much as she has. She was so captivating and entrancing while she was on the screen because she's fantastic. And I thought the passion she brought was second to none, but I have to go with Kiri um, Sigourney Weaver's Kiri because I just, uh, similar to you, I fell in love with this character. I thought it was insanely well done. I'm glad you said the thing about like immaculate conception, because that's, that's certainly my interpretation of it. They, they spent some time in the movie kind of talking about, um, you know, how could it be that, her that grace's avatar was with child whenever grace passed away and given the extremely deep connection that kiri seems to have with awa i have to imagine that there's something going on there where you know this is you know awa in person form kind of with kiri so i'm sure that will be unveiled over the next 10 avatar movies um that (laughs) (laughs) that are released so We'll see, but this character was great. I I, I love um, the work that Sigourney Weaver put in to achieve this. She really did not phone it in. Um, she clearly put a lot of emphasis into her facial expressions because the 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 motion capture that they were able to do on the faces for this movie was positively insane, um, completely complete insanity. I, I could not believe my eyes and. Uh, because of that, the characters were allowed to be so incredibly detailed in their facial expressions, and it's clear that Sigourney Weaver, being a true pro and being you know one of you know one of the greats, somebody who's worked with James Cameron tons of times over the years, and somebody who has turned in good performance after good performance after good performance, she took that to heart and really put in a ton of work here. She put in a ton of work in playing a fourteen-year-old girl, and and. Uh, you know, Navi person, and and she did so well, did so many so many things so well. But I think certainly the you know the childlike wonderment. I think the inter sibling relationship aspect. She really um, excelled at that in a way that uh, really elevated those scenes. I, I I found myself this whole movie. Um, you know, the the narrative is what it is, and 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 there's they're not breaking a ton of new ground there but the family dynamics of the sullies um i just loved and and maybe that makes me a cheese ball i have no idea but i just i thought there was something extremely genuine there and i think that's because each of these performers and and certainly james cameron directed them this way but they they really tried to form a tight family unit and it was it was so real and and lovely and i thought that kiri was was sort of front and center in that being being the older sister being the, you know, kind of the awkward uh, teen who will do anything for her family, but is going through a lot of, you know, life changes, coming of age uh, type of things. And um, Sigourney Weaver is, in, in, weirdly, the, the exact right person uh, to play this role. So it, it was well done. And I'm with you, Kirk. I, I just, I loved it, even though it shouldn't work. It really shouldn't, but it, but it, it just, shouldn't. it just did. It did. I don't get it either. I really don't. All right. Let's talk about this production. Um, we should say that we did see this in IMAX uh, 3D, so it was the recommended format <laughs> per per James Cameron. And um, I can just I can speak for myself at the outset because I, I, I'm not going to be going into it too much in my um, showstopper, but insanely immersive experience from the sound to the 3D to uh, the crystal clear IMAX picture and resolution. Um, it was quite a sight to behold. So I know that everybody's going to say that about this film. It's obviously an, an incredibly beautiful visual spectacle. I haven't seen a single person say otherwise yet. So just in, in, in case it doesn't get covered in our showstopper, I, I feel like I want to mention that at the outset. Yeah, I'd like to start with I could have done better. I could have drawn this <laughs> <laughs> in yes. such a better way, better Absolutely. coloring. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kirk. Unimpressive. You go Unimpressive Blake, all around. Um, <laughs> all right, Kirk, what was your showstopper? Oh, you know, just the unmatched visual artistry of James Cameron on film. I, I just, I, that's all. That's all it was. It was It was plain and simple. All I could think about was I can't even speak um, creatively enough about how creative this was. What I mostly imagine 
was James Cameron sitting down years ago, years ago, a decade, four decades ago and saying, I want to create a world that looks like X, Y, Z. And just pouring that out, drawing that, making notes about what it looks like when he couldn't draw it and finding an artist who could put what he wants, uh, sitting there and just thinking stuff up. Like who does that? The edges, the colors, is it familiar? Is it foreign? Is it alien? Is it loud? Is it, uh, is it soft? Is it sharp? Like, how do you do that? (laughs) Like, It's so, 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 so impressive to me. And James Cameron is a lot of things. And at the top of that list, he is a visual artist and he knows exactly how to, uh, how to just create things. He just creates things. And that is such an impressive and incredible paintbrush that we all get to, to marvel at. So despite whatever director's shoes you might have, or I might have, or Cam might has, no matter what, you cannot fight the argument that this just looks perfect agree um it is staggering it is it is so many adjectives i mean i cannot like we all expected this right and 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 if you haven't seen the film yet um first of all watch out for spoilers if you if you haven't already been spoiled yet but second of all like you know that going in you know everybody knows that everybody's expecting that and and there's been so much hype and there's been 13 years that you just think, okay, it's going to look gorgeous, but what does that even really mean? And then you see it, and it's like, holy freaking cow, this is so <laughs> unbelievably far ahead of everything. Like, I almost laughed because I was thinking about, uh, like, I, I don't know. And this is not a knock on this film because I, I gave this film, I think, like an 8.9 or something, but Black Panther Wakanda Forever, you know, like the visuals of that. You compare it to this. I mean, it's a joke. Like it, it's it's not even it's not even close. It's just not from from every possible lens. The the detail, the the the, the smoothness of the motion, the action sequences, the the motion capture on the face. It's just absolutely breathtaking and unbelievable. And the 3D was so immersive and so insane. You forget until you tilt your head like this because your neck is hurting, you forget that you're watching a 3D film. <laughs> but with this one, if you tilt your head, you're, the whole thing distorts, which was kind of an interesting experience. But um, you really do forget you're watching a 3D movie, and, and, and um, it's, it's truly insane. So I am not going to talk specifically about the visuals because I, I've sort of already done that, but my showstopper is the world building. You know, Kirk, you were kind of talking about it. James Cameron is a world builder. There are very few people in this world who are able to do this at the level that, um, you know, he is able to do it. And those people are compensated extremely well for their talents. You know, the, the George RR R. Martins, the, the JK Rowling's, the, um, you name it. Uh, there, there's so many, you know, Brent Weeks, there's so many great, authors and and writers and and filmmakers who are able to create worlds um from scratch which is insane and he's he's one of them and certainly in the first film you're looking at this going okay this cg you know at the time you know let's roll the clock back to 2009 this this uh cg very similar situation way ahead of its time beautiful visual spectacle but you know you're looking at pandora there's not a ton going on. You've got the floating mountains. You've got a few different species of animals that appear. You've got Awa, the spirit tree, whatever. But it's mostly like, here's where they're mining and here's the forest. What happened in this film was a major glow up for Pandora in general as they introduced the fact that like, oh, by the way, there are parts of this planet that human beings haven't even gone to yet um, because it's, you know, an Earth-sized planet and we only just got here however many years ago. And that started with the, you know, the the islands, the islands and where the sea clans live. And the, the entire world took, I mean, probably tripled in size based on the, the new things that he has laid the groundwork for, which is that, there are different sort of species of Navi, meaning like these ones do not have a tail that looks like 
the the tree people navi these ones have like a fish-like tail and they're a different color and they're a different tribe and they have different tenets and beliefs and they live in different types of habitats and all the flora and fauna of that whole world which was beautiful i thought the creatures in this film were way more thoughtful than they were in the first film they were really well designed they were intentional um the underwater sequences with you know the coral and the various different underwater textures was all intentional. It was creative. It was new. Um, the tulkoon, uh, you know, the giant whale type things, were a very creative new creature. And and the fact that they're hyper intelligent and can communicate with human beings through sign language and things like that. Um, the world building was just was massive in this film. And and you you know he James Cameron I know kind of said that part of the reason that this thing took 13 years was he had to extrapolate the world out to to be the size that it needs to be to complete this franchise. And you can definitely see that here. There's a ton of work that went into um, making this, and I feel like the whole franchise is going to be better for it because they're establishing precedent for a lot of things that will be necessary down the line, and it just makes the whole thing that much more interesting. It makes you want to stay in Pandora, um, dwell in it kind of look at the details etc which is necessary because this movie is three hours and 15 minutes long so uh, it's it better be good to look at and it better be interesting to look at so i thought the world building was really well done and i think it's what separates this movie um from the first certainly so let's move on to the other side kirk let's talk about director shoes What, what what's your big critique or big critiques for this film well, I've got 4,536 of them, so strap in, everybody. Uh-oh. Just kidding. I'm just very sorry. I just wanted to see what that looked like with blue paint on my face. My first one, which I've expressed already, I'll be brief. Kiri being Sigourney Weaver. Done. Already talked about it. Next. Number two, his two biological sons of his uh, five kids all together, um, they look too much alike. I mean, there really weren't too many significant uh, differences between them. They had very different voices, like 100%. They sounded like they came from different um, different places on the earth. Like it was insane. Um, so when they were speaking, I was like, okay, great. This is the older brother. This is the younger brother. Got it. But if you were to just look at them standing side by side, I mean, I got lost every time, every single time. So I just needed more distinction um, in in how they looked um, because they weren't twins. They were very much different ages. I, I needed them to be, give me more, give me more separation. It really confused me at times. Um, I didn't like how the kids kept getting captured and released and then immediately recaptured again. This happened at least three different times in the movie. Uh, but so once per hour, the kids were getting captured <laughs> then released, then recaptured by the by the main villain of this film. And it wasn't just one kid, right? Like, you would almost accept that. Like, ah, oh, Jimmy got caught again. No, like, multiple kids got caught in multiple different arrangements multiple times, escaped, and then fumbly uh, got captured again by, by different villains, all, all to be brought back to the same place. At one moment, the youngest daughter even says, I can't believe I'm handcuffed again. And that should have been your indicating moment, James Cameron, to say, you know, that's not a joke that lands. I think that I'm just exhausted that I've written the characters getting caught and captured and caught again, which leads me to the villain. Well, and everybody's laughing ironically, Kirk. Like, that was yeah. the one time the whole theater laughed, and I thought it was funny because the, we're laughing in irony, you know? like it, I think he wrote it as a joke, but it's we're not laughing because it's funny. We're laughing because it's like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously in the first 15 minutes is the first capture and they stay captured for a long time. And it's yes. a very tense scene. And I think that's the best capture of them all. Cause you're like, they really could die here. But the next time they get captured, like, nah, nothing's going to happen to them. <laughs> and then it happens again and again. It's, it's just so, it's so strange. Such a strange choice. Uh, within to the the narrative plot, um, and then we got Quaritch. Uh, like, if you're going to bring him back as the villain, can you tell us some other nickname of his? Because he does not have a good villain name. It's hard to say, honestly. Quaritch, Quaritch, 
Qualrich, Quaritch, Q-U-A-R-I-T-C-H, right? It's a bad villain name. It, 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 it shouldn't have happened. And then, and then you have the audacity to bring a bad villain with a bad villain name for not even the first movie, but the second movie. And then you tell me at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, that he's going to be the villain in some capacity in Avatar 3. And that just makes me mad. It just makes me furious because he's not a big enough threat for me to care about the the stakes of the conflict of this narrative. Okay, that's all I'll say about that. The next one is there is one blurry scene um, where it's reminiscent of Jake Sully waking up in the Avatar uh, suit. And there is one blurry scene where I swear to you, James Cameron, I thought you were going to burn the retinas from my eyes because <laughs> it hurts so bad. I, I've actually, I don't know if you heard me, Cam, but I, I did take <laughs> off my glasses and I said, seriously, because <laughs> I, did not. I was in actual pain watching this because of the 3d effect and <laughs> the long extended exposure blur did you hear me cam when i said no that? i didn't i wish i had i would have i would have lost it completely if i had i mean it made me think of that when you said when you turn your head sideways you know everything goes a little fuzzy in 3d when you're not looking at it dead on and i was like Dude, I almost forgot. Scribble it down real quick. The lady next to me did say, "Well, that's what did she say? What did she say? She said she said something to the, along the lines of like, well, that's un, unnerving or something really weird.'" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, you're right, no, but no, that was me, Cam. That was no woman. <laughs> that was me in discomfort." Oh my gosh, I'm dead. And my final, my final note, my final director's shoe. Um, <coughs> several shoes tonight. Uh, you know, I didn't have any real deep-seated emotional attachment to a character. When you go and see a movie, you want to point at the screen and be like, I get you, or they get me. I feel seen. I feel heard. You want to mostly... I hope connect to the protagonist or a side character. If you're a sociopath, you connect to the antagonist and the villain. But ultimately... There are two big deaths in this film, and I really didn't feel anything for for the their loss or anyone around them, the, the, them experiencing that loss. I was like, all right, what's next? <laughs> because uh, I just wasn't fulfilled by, by the emotional attachment of these characters, which was a big problem with Avatar 1, which is maybe the biggest criticism that people say, oh, the story suffers. Well, why does the story suffer, right? I, I, heard, I heard an influencer say, you don't hate the story. Well, you know, I don't really enjoy, I don't think the story is in absolutely incredible. The spectacle is incredible and it's built, the story is built upon that spectacle. But the story specifically does not speak to me because there was not someone that I could uh, transport into or reach out and and t and tell me something I didn't know and teach me something maybe I didn't know about myself. So it was very difficult to sit through three and three hours and ten or twelve minutes and and say, yeah, I felt like I I, I have a, a new outlook on life, or or I slightly think of myself this or that. No, I went to the movie and I said, "Wow, it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful," and that's uh, that's my biggest sting to Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah, all good points. All good points. Um, I'll I'll build a little bit. My my director shoes. I have two, I have two big things. Um, the first one. I'll I'll just say it because it's something that you mentioned as well, which is the villain. I think that's a, I think that's a huge miss, and I think it's a disaster that he is still alive heading into the third film. I cannot believe that choice. I am shocked and appalled at that choice. I was shocked and appalled that he was the main villain in this film. I think if you're going to do that, you have to have an unbelievable narrative to support that decision. And frankly. He, he didn't. The, the narrative is fine, and I think that, you know, it's going to feel very familiar to a lot of people, the way that the first film, uh, first film's narrative uh, felt familiar to people. Pocahontas, Friend Gully, Dances with Wolves, uh, on and on and on and on. But, <laughs> Dances with Wolves, I didn't get that, but now I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's been done, and this one... You know, there's not a lot of new ground being broken. I mean, it's something that we've we've seen many, many times before. Tons of tropes. It's not the exact narrative that you've seen before, but 
there's no, there's tons familiar here, lots of cliches and and nothing majorly groundbreaking. Okay, so and and that is is pretty much fine, except for the fact that you bring the villain back. Why in the world do you bring this dude back? I just cannot believe it that over thirteen years, the best idea you could come up with for this was to bring that same dude back when he was already a weak villain to begin with, a very one-dimensional villain. He remains extremely one-dimensional. He remains totally uninspiring, and um, he's just not good. He's just not a good villain. Um, and I thought that the acting performance was better in this film, but it's just, it is totally, it's totally lifeless. It just, it just offers nothing. I would love to have something better, and it horrifies me that the third film is going to have some degree of that villain again, if not him being the main villain for yet another film. I just, it is shocking that that is the route that James Cameron has gone. Um, and, and that's really all I'll say on it. But the other thing is James Cameron is a cornball cheesy dude. And that has always been true. And it was true. You know, aliens is a fantastic movie. It's a fantastic movie. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. I, I, I would watch it a thousand times. But James Cameron has cheesy dialogue in that movie too. He just is a cheesy cornball kind of guy. And um, I think that played better in the 90s and early 2000s than it does now because film is in such a different place than it was then. And, and there were great, really well-written films back then. But the main problem isn't so much the... I mean, it is the dialogue, but it is the dialogue by way of the tropes that he continues to use. The jarhead marine trope has to be retired. It has. I know that he loves it, but it is just like, it makes your stomach turn the way these guys are talking. It is cringy galore. And I hate every scene in this movie where it's the, you know, the army avatar guys. Ugh, it is disgusto barfo. It's the same thing in the first movie. I cannot stand it. It is so cringe. Then you've got Spider, who is literally Newt from Aliens. It's the same character. It's yes. the same character. And, you know, they do some different things with it, but, like, the whole, like, lost boys, found family dynamics dreadlocks haven't taken a bath situation like it's old it's tired we get it i'm over it. it 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 just like do something new and you can have the found family dynamics you can have that character but do something inventive with it don't recycle the same trope over and over and over again and then of course there are obviously tons of underwater sequences which are very reminiscent of many things that james cameron has done particularly the final action sequence action sequence, which is excellent, by the way. In fact, all the action sequences are, are really, really high-octane, fun, great action sequences, which is what James Cameron does really, 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 really well. Um, but the whole get-out-of-the-boat-as-it's-sinking thing, obviously, you have to think Titanic. Some parts of it really look like Titanic and or really look like Ghosts of the Abyss or you know other James Cameron films. Um, and so it's like... Yes, every director has their bag of tricks. Yes, there are certain visual cues that you can see in any director's film, but his tropes are tired. They're old as dirt, and they <laughs> suck. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I just like I, I need him to evolve. I need him. I need him to evolve as a storyteller and as a writer for the betterment of this franchise. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Oh, the way you said old. I like every consonant was so perfectly landed. Old as dirt. Like a Shakespearean actor. It's oh, just my the sound. That's the sound of disgust. That is the sound of disgust. It's it's a very visceral reaction. Um, oh, I loved it. Okay, let's let's try to score this thing. I think it's I I mean, speaking personally. I have really struggled scoring this film. I have really, really struggled with it. So um, I'll be interested to see where, where we both land. So Kirk, you have the floor. Yeah, this was extremely difficult to score. I, I echo that 1 million percent. I, uh, <laughs> at first I was like, well, what if, let me try to rate the first one and then I'll try to rate this one. And 
in the strangest way ever, I cannot compare these two films because the scale of them is so different. It's the one of the first times where I've thought, uh, you know, I, I can't even compare the original to to its sequel. Um, I recently watched uh, Tron and Tron Legacy back. That's easy. You can watch Star Wars, the original trilogy, and the next two, the prequels and the sequels. You could say, got it. I know my rankings. Done. I do not know what a difference from two and one here on avatar it's it's it it can't be done i'm convinced it cannot be done um scoring this was difficult because all of my points uh go to visuals and zoe saldana because as i said uh i had no emotional attachment to a character even though zoe saldana was the closest to that i could not connect with her on a deep, deep, deep level. Uh, I could connect to her as a parent uh, and I could connect to her on saying, man, look at her go. She is just skilled and she is just committed. But I could not 100% say that her character was a was a thing that I reflect most dearly and sincerely at, at my core and my subconscious. So all the points go to visuals and Zoe. Uh, the... Cameron, when you were talking about how how cheesy the writing is, I mean, this really is a, a case of of George Lucas and a, and a case of James Cameron just being these in, incredible visionaries, but not knowing exactly how to focus the rest of their genius. And it comes down to if they would allow someone to chat through those parts of it, like really allow them to, then you could really crown these things in such a a more epic and beautiful way. Um, But there their heads are probably so giant. Um, maybe their heads are as big as the galaxy and as big as Pandora that they won't allow. There's no more space left uh, in there to sneak in positive and uh, compelling dialogue. I, th- I think that has to be the case. I- I'm I'm finalizing my score as I speak. I think it comes down to what I've said already, but I got to go with a. 6.0 out of 10 kernels. Yowchi mamas. That's a <laughs> holy moly. That's a stinger. That's a stinger. I, I feel like you spend 13 years and a zillion gajillion dollars and get a 6.0. That is missing the mark. And granted you're, you know, an audience of one. So, um, but still like nobody should be walking away with that opinion. If, if they do, you failed miserably. Right. Um, uh, so I think mine will, mine will contrast that. I, I would say that if, if I'm looking at the first two movies, I, I think this is clearly the better of the two, um, in terms of the world building, certainly, um, the characters, I find these characters easier to connect to. I think that's probably the main difference that we'll have Kirk is that I actually, was, you know, whether I'm a cheese ball and a corn ball for it, whatever, I, I found myself uh, connected to the solely family dynamic. I felt like that was real, tangible. I could feel it. Um, I did hate that the older brother's only purpose in the movie was to be a vehicle for the development of the younger brother via his death. Um, that was pretty apparent um, within the first, I don't know, hour of the film that his his time was numbered in the world. I think it, it was obvious that he was going to bite it at some point. But overall... I thought the kids, you know, whether it be Took or Kiri or, or Loak, um, stole the show for me. I thought that they were good. I thought they were good performances. I thought they were real. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think kids are cheesy and melodramatic. So the times where they were that, I it felt it didn't, you know, it didn't, uh, you know, pause the suspension of disbelief or anything like that. So that was all good. I was blown away by the visuals. Didn't think the narrative was overly impressive. Hated the villain choice. Um, it, it certainly, <laughs> you know, this is like, you know, the most obvious critique of them all. It's certainly a very self-indulgent film. I mean, three hours and 15 minutes. There's a lot, a lot of filler. There's a lot of glamour shots. And that's all fine and well. It's It's a beautiful film. It looks really good. You can see why he would do such a thing. But, you know, it's it's hard for me because I think that this movie is an absolute standout visual production. And so it, it's hard for me to be like, 
well, I gave, you know, Black Panther Wakanda Forever an 8.9 and compared to, you know, that looks like a pile of steaming garbage next to this film, like literally because this film looks so good. Um, so that is a struggle for me. But I think the fact that I was able to connect with the characters, the fact that I really loved the world so much more in this movie bumps my score up higher. Um, I, I would consider myself like vaguely excited for the next movie in the sense that I just have kind of enjoyed this world. I rewatched the first film before I watched this one. And while um, I don't find that film all that inspiring from a narrative perspective, I, I, I do find Pandora compelling. I, I love a sci-fi world. This is a pretty well-built one, um, albeit in progress, but that for me is what bumps it up. So I am actually closer to good territory here. I'm giving it 8.0 out of, out of 10 kernels. Um, I had to bring that down because I was just like, man, how do you account for the fact that this is such a visual spectacle? Of course, you know, the other films will come and, and as history moves on, this won't go down as like the best visual film of all time. So um, I think I'm well protected there, but it, it really is so beautiful. And I do think while they fell into many of the same pitfalls as the first film, the overall product was better um, in general. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I think that this one is going to be the Age of Ultron uh, to the rest of the the series Mm. because it had to lay down so so many more things. These kids are obviously going to grow. They're going to grow. They're going to die. They're going to kill off Jake Silly at some point. Um, I got vibes that the younger son what is like giving Anakin vibes and maybe he's going to be villain in uh, become a villain in the next film and then really be the villain in avatar four uh, with, with his, ah, oh, I'm so I'm better than you think I am. I could do these things. And uh, I feel like that could be, that could be his, his future and that he is, you know, as we had Jake Soli uh, come from humans, but he is fully, uh, in, in his heart, he is a Navi. Uh, but then all of a sudden you have the opposite where you have Jake Soli's son who's like, no, I've been cursed with this world and I, I, should, I should be on my own and then departs maybe with a, with a gaggle of people and there's another conflict of, of uh, maybe fighting the humans, like going after the humans uh, because of all of the resources they steal. That could be compelling and, and bring, me, bring me closer to... Uh, uh, to, to excitement for episodes three and four of avatar. Yeah. I, I mean, I do feel like the, the spider villain arc is like right there for the taking. Right. So, um, that feels like that's going to come to fruition at some point, you know, spider certainly less than fond of Zoe Saldana's character after she threatened to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he saved his kind of bio dad avatar thing. And uh, doesn't know where he fits in. You know, he's kind of vulnerable in that way. So I think they'll go that route, though. I'm, I'm cringing at the thought of that because it's just so predictable. It's so predictable. And it's just more of the Quaritch tree of garbage that I hate so much about this series. But yes, I really feel like this series is close to being something substantial. But it needs it, it needs to take another step. The story needs to have something really compelling. There needs to be a left hook. There needs to be a hunger games catching fire. There needs to be something that is unlocked here in the next movie. It has to be the next movie because people are going to stop caring. I think after that, if the, if the narrative remains, you know, the same tired old re rehashed recycled tropes. Um, I don't know. It, It just feels like it would be such a shame if this franchise was a visual spectacle and nothing else. The whole thing, you know, we get five yeah. movies of it. Like that would be, that would be a real bummer. And I hope that it doesn't end up that way, but you know, it's teetering. It's teetering for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This movie was not as good as it needed to be to, to make three, such a lock that it's like essential cinema, you know, um, right. This movie needed to, I think needed to be a bigger step forward. That said, I, I was pleased with, the fact that it was better the first than the first one, because to me, like that's what I needed to see. Like this needs to be better than the first. I just wish it was a little bit more evolved than the first one. And, and it, yep. it wasn't quite. 
in Avatar 3, they need to kill Quaritch in the first six minutes. Otherwise, they'll lose me. Yeah, like, they need he, to count, Dooku, count Dooku him. Um, yes. Movie starts with a just a total barn burner of an action sequence that, that puts him down for good. Um, the action sequences are so great. Um, they are great. They, they really are really are. great. Um, there's so much there, and, and yet there's too much there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like... It's just, it's such a, it's such a conundrum with this series so far, but I did like this movie. I did think it was great. I just think that, um, yeah, it's, it's not reached what it needs to reach to be what it claims to be, which is like this great, super ambitious franchise. It's, it's, it's not Star Wars. It's not, you know, any other major franchise that you, that you can think of. I mean, even, even Dune after one movie is in a much better spot than, than this is. Um, it is. So yeah. Yeah. Shout out to a uh, quick shout out before we uh, sign off here and say our goodbyes. Um, I, I don't know the actor's name or the creative team members on it, but they actually had a, a deaf or a hard of hearing person uh, join this creative team and create the the underwater sign language. It is not yes. your typical yeah, ASL yeah. or any other known sign language. It is a very specifically crafted uh, and unique unique language that as what would these people, how would they speak differently if you had to do it underwater? What would those movements look like? And I thought that was so cool. I saw that piece of information online today and uh, how, how incredible that, that, you know, you, you, you always have worlds, you have the elves speaking elven language and then people go and like learn that stuff and, and how you have something so even just a little bit more different, more different here. It's really special. Um, yeah, there are, there are wonderful fine touches to this film details galore. And that's where this thing shines. Yep. Absolutely. Good, good call out. All right, folks, that is all we have for you this week on Popcorn for Breakfast. That is a wrap on our very last film review for 2022. Thank you guys so much for listening to our show this year, for being a part of our community. Uh, we certainly have just a blast talking movies with you guys and, and, and connecting on social media. We have huge ambitions for this show in 2023. For those of you who have been with us from the beginning or, or have joined recently, um, we just are so, so thankful. Just, just really love you guys. And, uh, we have a blast doing this. So thank you for listening so that we feel motivated to continue doing it. And, uh, of course we, we wish you and yours a, a very happy holiday break, a Merry Christmas and, um, all of that and a happy new year. And, Stay tuned on social media. We still have some fun holiday stuff going on. I think, you know, around the time of New Year, we're going to have our top 10 list for 2022. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we've got a Christmas movie bracket that I'm going to drop later this week, or I guess this episode drops on Thursday. So maybe it's already dropped. I don't know. Um, time travel, you know how that works. But lots of fun stuff still to come on social media. And we will catch you guys on the other side of the new year. But until that time, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music, which you are about to hear. Thank you so much, and we will see you in 2023. Talk to you then. <laughs> <laughs>